Hello everyone. Before we get started, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. Here at Kuhau, we believe everyone's on a four-step journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We pray that this message may bless you and help you on that journey. Lastly, make sure you head over to kuhau.com so that we can connect on all things Kuhau. If you're ready, let's go. Today we, we're going to be starting a brand new series entitled Munificence. Everybody shout Munificence. And uh, munificence has a, a unique definition. You might be wondering, what is that? What is munificence? What is that? And what munificence means is it's simply this. It's showing unusual generosity. Showing unusual generosity. It's also by the, defined by the quality of action or the quality or action of being lavishly generous or great generosity. I like this definition here, showing unusual generosity. And I just had this thought, like, what would it look like? Like, what would it look like if God's children would live from this place? Like, I had this thought, like, I was just preparing this message, and as I was thinking about munificence, I said, man, how amazing would it look like if God's people lived from this place of unusual generosity like giving, but not just giving, because generosity carries its own abundance, but it's going beyond what's generous. It's saying to give generously, but also giving lavishly. It's unusual generosity. Not just, not just from some things or just what you're comfortable with, not just with maybe your time, not just with uh, uh, your talents, but also with your treasure. Come on, somebody. Also, like, like really giving from a place that God has given me it all, so therefore I can render it and surrender it all unto those that God has called me to give. This thought about, I tell you this right now, that if we had all of God's children living from this place, I promise you that Staten Island will not know what has hit it. I promise you that if we live from this place, I don't know about you, but I want to lead the way in Staten Island when it comes to lavish giving. I want to lead the way. I tell you right now, there will be people that will know Jesus. There will be families that are rescued. There will be families that are saved. There will be a Staten Island city that's flipped upside down because we are living from this place of munificence. And so um, I want to give a quick disclaimer before I even go into our text today. Uh, and the disclaimer is this, that this message, and for those that are tuning in online, this message is specifically directed to, to an audience. And this message is, for the next six weeks, we're going to speak directly to those that have called Kuhau their home. And so if you've called this place your home, if this is your house of worship, if this is the place that you come and attend, if you consider me and Lisa your pastors, and, I, and we consider that a privilege, if this is your home, then this message is directed to you. Look at somebody that you know comes here and be like, this is for you, sucker, this is for you. Don't call them sucker, though. <laughs> this, is, this is directed towards you. Because I believe that God has this message specifically for those that are from this house because he wants to speak to you. And I'm fully aware that there's a lot of people that hesitate coming to church because they are, they're scared 
of what they will feel when, pe- when preachers like myself talk about giving and generosity and talk about lavish giving. I know that so many people actually have turned their back on the church and even turned their back on God because the church has become infamously known for, oh, they just want my money. They just want my money. They just want my money. The preacher rolls up in a Roy's Rolls. I promise you, I'm not going to, I don't even know how to say it, okay? I just, I don't think God is trying to get to your money. He's really trying to get to your heart. But if your GPS says that your heart is where your money is, then God's going to set the GPS to your treasure so that he can find your heart there. So oftentimes you're like, God, God, why does the church want my wallet? No, the church doesn't want your wallet. But if your heart's where your wallet is, he'll go to your wallet so that he can find your heart. Come on, somebody. And so this is primarily for those that call Kuhau their home. However, this doesn't mean that if Kuhau is, you haven't made Kuhau your home, this message is not for you. I actually think that it's a perfect time for you to lean in. It doesn't mean that you could check out, well, I'm not, Kuhau's not my home. I'm gone. I'm just going to check out. For the next six weeks, I want to take you on a challenge. I want to challenge you. I want to say, hey, commit for the next six weeks to hear about generosity and see what it does to your heart. See what it does to your heart. And so, again, if, if you're new to this kind of environment or if you've been visiting Christ Uncensored for some time, if you've been experiencing God in this place, but you're still new to this experience, I want to say this. Number one, this is a judgment-free zone. And so as you hear this message, I like to say, you know, you ever seen the ads, no MSG? Well, there's no CSG here. No condemnation, no shame, and no guilt. Come on, somebody. And there's no, none. So as you hear this text, I want you to hear it, but I don't want you to, like, hear it. You know how you hear, like, a motivational speaker, and then they're like, he's like, come on, you have to go after it, man. That's why you... No, don't hear it. And then I hear it, I'm like, oh, my God, that's why I hate myself. Right? No, it's not for you to hear it with the lens of condemnation. And if you, as you hear me talking about generosity and you hear the whispers, you come to this church and you don't stay give. You're not. I don't want you to hear that. But I want you to open up your heart to the opportunity of what God wants to do in it. Open up your heart to what God wants to do in your life today. Amen? Is that all right? And last but not least, the last thing I want to say is before I get into the text is we already collected the offering. We're good. All right? We're good. Don't worry. He's setting us up. He's, gonna, he's setting us up right now. We're good. And can I take it further? Pastors won't say this. But I just believe that if we're transparent with God's people, that it opens them up to just be free to what God wants you to do. Right? And so I want to tell you that Christ uncensored is good. We are good financially. We, we are paid up on our rent. We're paid up on our bills. We don't have any outstanding debt. We have no debt whatsoever, praise God. Matter of fact, we have a little bit of change in the, in the savings account. We are absolutely good. I'll even take it further. Listen, if we are comfortable here, just sitting here every Sunday, coming every Sunday, I love this. I love coming to church on Sundays. I could do this for the rest of my life, and I'm good just being here at 77 Alaska Street for the rest of my life if that's what God wants. So I'm good. Financially, we're good. we got a full-time pastor, praise God. Like, we're good financially. This is not a, hey, let me beg you. Because, you know, they're going to shut up the lights. Come on, somebody. No. This is, hey, we're good. We're good being comfortable here. Unless God wants us to stretch. Unless God has a bigger vision for Staten Island. 
unless God doesn't want us just to remain in the comfortable seats at 77 Alaska Street. And he wants us to be a global ministry that will reach generations and generations and generations. Unless that's what I want as well. Come on, somebody. Give God a praise in this place. So my title is simply this. The Heart of Unusual Generosity. Because munificence means showing unusual generosity. But you'll never be able to show unusual generosity unless you have a heart of unusual generosity. And that's where I want to preach from today. Here's the text. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 and 24. I need a time clock because it says I'm negative seven minutes and I haven't even begun. Come on. It says eventually the brook dried up because of the drought. Then God spoke to him, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. So he got up, he went to Zarephath, and as he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. He asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. As she went to get it, he called, and while you're at it, as she went to get it, he called, hey, while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? She said, I swear as surely as your God lives, I don't have such, so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. After we eat it, we'll die. I wonder if she was an optimist or pessimist. I don't know. Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. I feel that for somebody right now. Don't worry about a thing. There's somebody that carried worried in this place. I want to tell you that the Lord is telling you, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first, someone shout, but first. But first, make me a small biscuit and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. This is what the word of God of Israel. This is the word of God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. As you can see the scene, they are in a drought. And she went right off and did it. She did just as Elijah asked. And in turn, and it turned out as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled the letter exactly as Elijah has delivered it. Title is A Heart of Unusual. Unusual. In other words, it's not normal. Unusual generosity. Could you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these moments that we have together. I just pray, Lord God, that our hearts will be open to what you want to say today. I just pray, Lord God, that our hearts may be tenderized, oh God, to walk in all you've called us to walk into. We pray for this in your precious name, Lord. I pray that you forgive, Lord God, all those that missed last Sunday for the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, somebody. Can we give God a praise in this room? Come on. It's like Eminem came out. Everybody lost their salvation. It was like. I'm just joking. That was a joke. Please don't email me or text me. 
Um, I think it's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible to, um, to, to, to run out of something that you are in need of. Anybody know what I mean? Like, it's terrible for you to lose or, or run out of something. Because there are some things that you can run out of and keep it moving, but there are some things that you cannot run out of. Come on. Like, there are some things you cannot run out of. There are some things you can. You can keep it moving. Some things you absolutely cannot run out of, especially if at that very moment you need it. I think that personally one of the most horrific tragedies that a person could ever experience is when they are rushing to the bathroom, they close the door, they cop a squat, they pop, they, they, they drop a deuce, and then they look at this in... That is the worst experience. Some, anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't leave me here alone. You guys are like, that never happened to me. And, it's just like, and then you got to yell, hey! Nobody hears you at that time. Everybody's like, nobody hears you. He's like, oh, my God. Thank God the shower's not right next door. Come on, somebody. Got to do what you got to do. Come on. There was this one time. Now nah, I ain't going to say that story. But there's some things you can't run out of. You can't run out of gas. It'll lose your, you'll lose your mind if you run out of gas. It's a whole big ordeal if you, if you uh, run out of gas. How many of you know that if you were raised in a Hispanic home, Marcus, you know, right? Like, you cannot run out of eggs. You cannot run out of, you cannot run out of bread. And you cannot run out of rice. Come on, somebody. You just can't run out of that stuff, right? Like, no matter what, for whatever reason, like, we was poor. We were so poor we couldn't afford the O and the R. We were so poor. But no matter what, we still had rice, we still had eggs, and we still had bread. Come on, you know what I mean? We had a, you ever had a rice bread sandwich? Like, that was crazy. It's like carbs on carbs on carbs, fats on carbs. Like, but but you, it's, just, it's just one of those things, like, when you run out of something, when you run out of something that you absolutely need, and I think that this is actually the perfect scene that we walked into. We, we walked into a scene where you have two separate individuals who have ran out of the essentials. They have run out of something they need at that very moment. They're in the middle of a drought, and both of them have run out. Can you imagine the widow? The widow had lost her husband, so she ran out of an income. The, the woman was at the bottom barrel of her oil and her flour, and, and she was probably just putting together a little bit of water, holding it down. Uh, Elijah was, was being fed by God some, some Cuban sandwiches. Come on, the Bible says some bread and some meat by ravens. He was eating out of Don Raven. You know what I mean? Like, so he was eating out of this restaurant called Don Raven, and, and, and he was getting fed some Cuban sandwiches, and God is like, hey, I want you to pick up and go, and, and, and I want you to notice here that, that it is another character that introduces provision and generosity. See, they're in the middle of their lack. They're in the middle of not having. They're in the middle of losing or, or losing out on their resources. They're in the middle of a, of, of a, of a drought. Uh, we could even say they're in the middle of a pandemic. They're in the middle of lack. They're in the middle of not knowing what to do. They're in the middle of that. And guess who's the person? It's not Elijah and it's not the widow. Guess who it is? It's God. See, I want you to, I want you to hear here how, how the text puts it in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 24. It says, then God spoke to him. I hear an echo on this end. If we could fix that, thanks. Then God spoke to him. That could preach right there. Like, if this was another message, I'd, I'd take a pause and I'd just preach right here. Then God, like, th this was another message, I'd probably say something like, then 
God spoke to him. You know that God could speak in the middle of the, your lack. You know that God could speak in the middle of your drought. You know that God could speak in the middle of your turmoil. You know that, but that's another message. I'm not going to say that for this message. So just forget everything you just heard. We're going to jump right into the text. It says, then God spoke to him. He said, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. If we can put it back to just the way it was originally. It says, I've instructed, at least on the monitors, I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. What you'll notice in this text is that God is engaging Elijah on this plan to be a provider throughout his famine. God is engaging Elijah to be a provider, but it's not only for him. He's looking to be a provider for the widow. And I love this because God was providing one way, but now in one season he's providing this way, but now he's taking them to another season, but he's going to provide differently in the other season than he was in the original season. And I think that's a word for somebody today because you're worried about the next season that God has for you, and you're holding, you're holding off stepping into your new season because you're concerned with the provision of your new season because you're still holding on to the provision of the past season. And God is saying, listen, if I provided you this way in this season, don't worry about the future because I'm going to provide for you in the next season that I have for your life. Now, I want you to, I want you to think about Elijah. Elijah's at a place where Elijah's like, I'm eating from ravens. And God is saying, hey, listen, there's a drought. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go over to a widow, and I need you to talk to the widow, and, 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 and I need you to meet her there. She, she has instructions already. I've already spoken to her. I need you to go see. Now, I'm Elijah. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go to this widow when I'm getting Cuban sandwiches from ravens. Like, can you imagine a picture that he's like, um, uh, excuse me, God. I don't know if you know this, but I am, like, how can I let go of the ravens? How can I let go of the ravens? The ravens are providing for me. The ravens are being good to me. The ravens are bringing me some pernil. The ravens are bringing me some steak. The ravens are bringing me some food. And they're bringing me some Hawaiian bread from Pepperidge Farm. Come on, somebody, if you ever had that, it's amazing. Like, they're bringing me some, some, they've been good to me, God. How are you going to ask me to walk away from what's been good to me? How are you going to walk away from what's been providing to me? And this is amazing because this is when God makes a distinction between provider and provision. Woo! Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Elijah. <laughs> you must have confused the provision for provider. See, I know that the ravens were I know you think that the, the ravens were providing for you, but what you need to understand is that the ravens are not your provider. They're actually the provision of your actual provider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, here's the first thing. Here's the first thing I, I need you to write down. The heart of unusual generosity is a heart that trusts God as provider. The heart of unusual generosity is a heart that trusts God. God as provider. Excuse me, uh, dear Elijah. <laughs> I know the ravens, but the ravens were never the source of your provision. They are simply the resource of your provider. I'm going to say it again. Hey, Elijah, excuse me. I don't know who Elijah is in this place, but God wants to remind you today that the ravens are not the source of your provision. They're simply the resource of your provider. 
I'm going to say that again. The ravens are not the source of your provision. Your job is not the source of your provision. Your ability is not the source of your provision. Your business is not the source of your provision. They are simply the resource of your provider. Does anybody believe it in this house? And here's what I heard God say to me. He said, there are so many people that believe in me as their savior. They believe in me as their protector. But very few of my children believe in me as their provider. They believe in me as provider. And I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, because they still think that their income is their provider. Ooh. They still think that their job is their provider. They, they, you see, they still think that their skill set is their provider. They still think that their ability to work is their provider. And listen to me. Your job is not the source of your provision. It is simply the resource of your provider. But if you see your job as your provider, then if you lose your job, you think you lost your provider. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to accomplish this? How am I going to be able to get the house? How am I going to be able to do this? But, but, but listen to me. But listen to me. But listen to me. But when you see God as your provider, you simply see your job as a resource that God has given you as part of his provision for your life. So when you lose your job, you don't lose your mind, your peace, and your tranquility because you understand, Lord... My trust is not in my job. My trust is in my provider. My trust is not in my skill set. My trust is in my provider. And when you do that, listen, you walk in a certain uh, confidence. Lord, what's next for me? What's next? What is it that you have me because you provided for me yesterday? You're providing for me today. And I know that you're going to provide for me tomorrow. Listen, the heart of unusual generosity is a heart that trusts God as a provider. If you believe that in this house, give God a praise. It's not the ravens that are your source of provision. They are simply a resource of your provider. There are many of God's children that never take the step into unusual generosity because we may still be seeing our resource as the source. Whew. I don't know. I don't know who's. I'm, I'm getting it, Holy Spirit. I'm getting it. You're still, seeing a, you're still seeing a resource as the source. But God is saying the only, way you, the only way we can step out in unusual generosity, see, if we're still seeing our resource as the source, then we'll never step into extravagant and lavish giving because it's always going to be conditioned and limited and depicted or dictated by our resource. See, because our resource is limited. But when you, and if you make this the source, then your source is limited. But when you begin to shift that and see as God as your source, then you understand there's unlimited amount of potential. There's unlimited amount of resources. That that was just good for one season, but I'm getting ready to do something different in the next season, and it might just be greater than what you're trying to hold on to. This might be greater. And I get it. Like, I know that so many times we go to church and we, you get manipulated and into thinking like, oh, you got to give because you know, if you don't give, like, I've, I've been to places like, the Lord told me you got to give $1,000. De adonde? Well, the Lord didn't tell me, Jack. Come on, somebody. How many of you know when the, how many know if somebody was to tell you, like, the Lord told me 
that I'm to give you $1,000. How many know that you don't need no confirmations right there? Like, it's just like, yes. If somebody tell you, the Lord told you to give $1,000, be like, I'm going to need confirmation after confirmation after con- I'm going to need Hector Medina to come next week and tell me, Toma. Right? Like, we had a good time with them. I was like, I need a word, brother. He's like, I ain't got nothing for you. <laughs> but here's the thing. God is not only a provider. He's, he's, a, he's a generous giver. See, God doesn't, and, and this is why we'll never step into unusual generosity if we don't see God as our provider. Because we'll never be able to be secure in, the, in stepping out of the boat into the dangerous waters if we still think that God is not going to firm up those waters with the faith that we possess. So, so God is, see, when I see God as my provider, I, I don't only see him as somebody that gives, but I see him as someone that gives good. Come on. He doesn't just give, he gives good. And maybe you're here wondering about how good God gives or wondering if God would even provide. I want to tell you that God super exceeds your expectation, that God doesn't just give. If you're watching on the line, I want to tell you the same thing. God doesn't just give. God gives in abundance and God gives generously. You've been asking, how does God give in the quality of life? Can I tell you, John chapter 10 verse 10 says that he gives life, but he doesn't just give life. He gives life, not life. He gives life, but he gives life in abundance. You might be wondering how much blessing is he going to pour out into me? I want to tell you that Psalms 23 says that your cup will overflow. You might be saying, how is it that I can ask God for unlimited things? It's because in Ephesians it says he can do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than whatever you can ask for or think. That's the kind of generosity our God possesses. If you've experienced that from your father, give God a praise in his place it's it's a trust that he's my provider it's why and I I I, I don't want to use myself as the standard but it's just my testimony you know I, I I truly believe that people will connect more with your weaknesses than they will with your accolades but there's sometimes there's many times I've got it wrong there's very few times I've gotten it right. And, I'm, and it's not credit to myself. It's really like only God. You know, it's one of those moments, only God. Like only God. I remember that I was offered $75,000 to stay at my job. So one foot is out the door. Because God called me to step out in faith. To take a pay cut. To pass the Christ Uncensored House of Worship. The church I love. But I would be broke and in love. Come on, somebody. And right when my last day there, I'm saying goodbye to everybody. Hey, man, there's a position that's opening up. And if you say the word, these are the exact words that were said to me. If you say the word, it's yours. $75,000. You sure? So much so, here we are four or five years later, and I was, I was asking God, look, Lord, I, I, I was like, 
you know, four years that I've been full-time, and I just had certain expectations and certain financial goals, and, and God told me this. He said, hey, Ro, did I tell you to go full-time? And I was like, yeah, yes, you did. You know, you got defensive, because I was like, what are you trying to tell me you didn't tell me? Because I know you told me, because I wouldn't have done it on my own. That was 75 grand, you know what I mean? He's like, did I tell you to go full-time? And I was like, you did. And he goes, so then trust me. So then trust me, because my word is going to be fulfilled in your life. Come on, somebody. So, second thing, I want you to write this down. A heart of unusual generosity is a heart that is willing to sacrifice. A heart of unusual generosity is a heart that trusts God as provider. Is able to distinguish the difference between what is provision and what is provider. But a heart of generosity is a heart of heart of unusual generosity is a heart that is willing to sacrifice. Let me, and let me just say this, sacrificial, sacrificial giving will cost you something. That's what sacrificial giving is. The thing is, is that God is not calling us to give equal amounts. He's calling us to give equal sacrifice. He, he's not calling us to, how many know that, that, that how many of you know that $1,000 from Bill Gates is not a sacrifice. Come on, somebody. I think it's safe to say that. I'm not assuming don't cancel me. I'm just. How many know that $1,000 is not a sacrifice? I bet you this. You lose Bill Gates. Someone steals $1,000 from Bill Gates. He won't even detect it. You, you, you steal $1,000 from me. I'm broke for two months. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Silas K, no child support. Going to court. It's not. All the child support people say, come on, somebody. Come on. Sorry, Bishop. Sorry, Sailor. There are things that help happen behind the scenes that you are not aware of. See, the thing about unusual generosity is that unusual ge generosity is not about giving in excess. It's not about the amount. It's not about the portion. It's about the hard attitude, and it's about the sacrifice. See, for Bill Gates, he's not a thousand dollars, and if I give a thousand dollars, see, it's the equal amount, but it's not the equal sacrifice. And God doesn't expect you to give what the person next to you gives. That's why you should never compare yourself to the person next to you. You, you shouldn't be like, oh, look at what they're doing. Look at what they can do. No, no, no. What is God calling you to do? See, see because, because he might be calling me to give 40 hours a week because that's what he's, that is what he has made available for me to give. That's the portion he has given me, and that's what, that is what is a stretch for Pastor Rowe. But maybe for you, it's not 40 hours. Maybe it's four hours a week. That might be your next step in your stretch. See, it's not about the equal amount. It's about the equal sacrifice. And it's not about giving in excess and giving. It's about, watch this, this is what it is. It's giving from a place where it's beyond your comfort zone. It's beyond what you're normally okay with giving. I want to return back to the text. It says, I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow to feed you. So he got up. And he went to Zarephath, 
and he came to the entrance, hear me, he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow gathered fi gathering firewood, and he asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. And she went to get it. And he called, and while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? I would like one of those biscuits from KFC, the ones that choke you when you eat it. And she said, I swear, I swear, as surely as your God lives, I don't have as much as a biscuit. I've got a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of oil in a bottle. And you found me scratching together just enough I would to make a last meal for my son and me. And we're going to eat it. We're going to die. That's what I heard when I read this in my head. If I'm Elijah, I'm wondering, why are you sending me to someone who seems worse off than I am? See, it's because God was looking to unlock a blessing in her life through her generosity. See, she was running out of resources, not knowing all the while God was making her a resource for Elijah. She was running out of resources, but God was making her the resource for Elijah. And I could just imagine Elijah is overheard, and he's like, listen, would you bring me some water? Get me some water. And she goes, and she goes, it's all right, prophet, I got you. You want some water? I got you some water. You want some water? I got you some water. Let me go get some water for you. Go get me some water. Please bring me some water. Hey, hey, hold on. I need you to please bring me a biscuit. And I could just imagine her on the way there. She's going to get her water. The water's over there. And she's going to get her water. Um, yes, please, please, get me some Biscuits with butter. Come again? <laughs> Excuse me, prophet. I know that we in the middle of a drought right now. And I know you may have not known that because you up in the heavens talking to Jesus all day and all night. I get it. But we in the middle of a drought. And you already asked me for water. And water is a, is a, is a luxury nowadays because there's no water. There's a drought. Oh, drought in the land. And you want me to go. I could give you. I could give you water. You want some water? I'll give you Dasani, Police Spring, Deer Park, Fuji, whatever you want. I'll give you all the water you want, but I cannot give you my oil and my flour. And what I want you to notice is that she had something she was comfortable giving. But when the prophet began to pry into an area where she was not willing to bend or budge, it's really where he was able to determine where the trust of our heart was. See, we all have this place. We all have this place in our lives that we're comfortable giving at the level of water. Do you see it? I know Jesus, these are like Dollar Tree sponsored props. Water. Hey, I'm good with giving water. I'm, I'm good with giving at this level. I'm good at giving at the water level. Hey, you, hey, prophet, you want water? I'll give you water. That's fine. I'll give you water. You want a place to stay? I'll give you a place to stay. You want a bed? I'll give you a bed. But you're asking me now for my oil and for my flour. You, 
We're in the middle of a drought, Pastor Marquez, and I'm already giving them my water. You want my oil and my flour too? Because when you give from the place of water, you're giving from the place of comfort. Lord, you want my, you want my oil and my flour? You want my, I'm already giving you my water. But why is it that you, you ever felt like God was like asking you for more? Have you ever felt like God was, ask, was asking you to give more than one, what you're comfortable with? God, God, I'm willing to give you the water, but are you, I'm not willing to give you my oil and my flour. God, I'm willing to give you my water, but I'm not willing to give you my oil and my bread. God, I'm willing to give you my water but I'm not willing to give you my oil. And my bread. I'm willing to give you what won't cost me, but I'm not willing to touch this and give it in generosity. See, I'm willing to give some things, but I'm not willing to give everything. See, here's the difference. That when you give from your water, you're giving from a place of comfort. But when you give your oil and your flour, you're giving from a place of call. What has God called of you? Guess what? The water, great. But most of God's children live at this place of giving from their place of this is what I'm willing to give. I'm willing to give my water. 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 Yo, I'm coming to church on Sunday. Come again? You want me to give? You want me to go two Sundays? What? Three Sundays? You want me to go to church all every Sunday? Every Sunday? Like, like even the one that had five Sundays in the That's what you want me to do? You want me to give? Okay, 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 okay. All right, all right, all right. Here's my water, Lord. Here's my water. I got, I got. Come again. Well, you say what? You want more? You want more than every Sunday? You want, oh, oh, you want, you want me to join community group now? <laughs> now I got to actually be friends with people? You mean I got to open up my heart and talk to people? Like I just like coming in five minutes late and leaving five minutes early. So I ain't got to talk to nobody. I just connect with Jesus. I'm, I'm already doing five, five Sundays a month. And now you want me to be in community group? God, you want more? I, I, I've already given you my water. You want my oil and you want my flour? God, okay, 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 I did community group. What you want me to do, growth track? Why do you want me to do growth track? And that, all that is is, is is the flesh battling the spirit. That's all that is, my friends. 
it's the spirit in you that is not letting you feel comfortable in your comfort zone anymore. And that's why, see, if you didn't care, you just ignore it. But the reason that you cannot ignore it is because God is speaking to your spirit. And your spirit is saying, I want to do what God has called me to do. And you might be like, 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 like God, I've given you my Sundays. God, I've given you community. God, I've done growth track. What you want me to serve you? That means I got to come in two, two hours early. I could barely do the hour and a half service. Have you ever felt like that? Like, God, what? God, why is it that you want more from my life? You ever felt like that? Like, God, why is it that you want more? Like, I, you got to see me five years ago. I wasn't even in your house. Now I'm in your house. Now I've done growth track. Now I'm in community group. Now I'm telling you about my business. Now I'm serving. Now I'm in the path to become a leader. Like, God, I've given you more. Can't you see, God, I've given you 37.2% of my life. God is like, I've given it all so that when you give it all, you'll be living your best life. Come on, give God a praise in this place. It's not about the amount. You see, God will give different blessings to different people and then ask you to stretch beyond your comfort zone. See, what he's given Pastor Rowe, he hasn't given Pastor Marquez. What he's given Pastor Marquez, he hasn't given Ruben. Clearly, he did not give Ruben rhythm. That is the running joke, and I think I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. I'm sorry, Ruben. But he has given Ruben a brain that can calculate everything and create systems. And So guess what? He's not asking Ruben to dance salsa. But he might be asking Reuben to do the two-step. This is it. Because that's a stretch for Reuben right here. Do you, see the, do you see the picture? See, it's not, the, it's, not, it's not the equal amount. It's the equal sacrifice. So, 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 so maybe, that other, maybe you didn't get a promotion and they got a promotion. But maybe you got an extra day off and God is saying, no, no, you're stretched is not giving more monetarily. Your stretch is giving more of yourself serving maybe four to five hours a week so that God's kingdom could be expanded. And maybe you did get the promotion and maybe you're now earning more income and maybe your job is not to raise your standard of living but to raise your standard of giving. Maybe. See, it's not the equal amount, it's the equal, say it with me, sacrifice. Narrative continues, and it says that Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said, but first make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. Did you see that? I saw this, and I was like, wow, I've never seen that before. Because look what it says. It says, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've. Fine. He didn't say, don't do that. I would have said, no, don't do that. He says, hey, go ahead and do that. You want to go ahead, go ahead and make a biscuit for you and your son? Go ahead and do that. But first, can I tell you what God is telling his people? He said, go ahead and make your plans. Go ahead. You want, you want to accomplish certain things? 
You want to reach certain places? Go ahead and do that, but first, put God first. You have goals to accomplish? That's amazing, but don't ever do them at the expense of putting God first. He says, go ahead and make your biscuits. Go ahead and use the last bit of oil that you got. But first, put God first. And, to, and, and here brings me to my last point. A heart of unusual generosity is a heart where God gets first place. I learned this in, in institute 15 years ago under Pastor Marquez when he said, God is never second. If God's not first, he's last. That was good, right, Pastor? He didn't even know it was his. I could have stole that. <laughs> See, if God's not first, he's last. He can only be in two places. He cannot be second in your life. He can only be either first or he's last. Because the truth of the matter is, if he's second in your life, he's taking up a position that he was never meant to occupy. He was only meant to occupy first. And so, he says, hey, but... First, everybody shout, but first, but first, put God first. But first, put God per first. And I, want, I just want to pause here because I want to take this time to share a principle, a biblical principle about how we can put God first in our finances. And this principle is, is kind of brought out throughout all of the Old Testament, and you see it in parts of the New Testament, and is the, is the principle of putting God first with our finances. So like once a year, what we do as a church community is that we talk about generosity and we talk about giving. And so it's the principle that is called the tithe. Everybody say tithe. See, some of you are twitching. Some of you are like, I see it. I see it. But, I, but and, and I was scared. Pastor Marquez, I was so scared to teach on tithing. Like, I'm, I've been pastoring now for eight years, and I've always been petrified. As a matter of fact, the first four years of this church, we didn't teach on, on any giving. Because I was so scared that people would think that this is the kind of church that wants their money. And then I spoke to my pastor, and my pastor was like, um, do you believe in tithing? I said, I've been doing it for 20 years. 25 years, to be honest, since I was 16 years old, I've been tithing. For, for, and again, not all the time I get it right. Trust me, there's plenty of stories that I'm going to tell that I got it wrong. But in this particular area, for the last 25 years, I've decided in my heart that I was going to live off 90% of what God gave me. So I would go shoveling and I would make $120. Guess what? I would give the 10% to God. And that's what I began to practice for 25 years. And I told this to my pastor. He was like, then why would you not share that principle with your church? And I was like, he goes, do you believe, in, do you believe that God's blessed you with it? Not, not like the blessing of like you do and God blesses you. But there's something about generosity that returns a blessing in your life. There's something about being grateful that brings a return in your life. You don't do it with that motivation, but it is the consequences of the action. So he says, do you believe that you've been blessed? And I said, absolutely. Like, there's some things, like, I've, this is how I've walked for the last 25 years of my life. He goes, and you succeed. And he goes, and who better than someone that is already concerned with people thinking that the church got their money? Who better than? And so what I've decided is that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna teach on this principle of 
Now, now here's where it comes from, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. And if, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there is no room or need. Now, I want to make it clear. Real, I want to make it clear. We are not under the old covenant. Can I make? I'm going to keep it real here. Somebody bring the lights right here because I know I'm, the, the live stream is just mad at me right now. They're just like, why did you just? Because I want to look at your face. You see, we're not under the old covenant. See, many people will teach this text and they'll be like, you are cursed with a curse if you don't tithe. Can I, can I free you up real quick? You can never tithe in this church or ever or ever be generous. And there is no curse upon your life. You know why? Because the Bible says under the new covenant that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from every single curse that was even listed in the old covenant. You are set free. You are transformed. You are new. You are under the new covenant. If you never give a tithe, if you never give a penny, you will not be more cursed than you were before. Like you are not cursed. I pray that frees you up. You are not cursed. We're not under the old covenant. Sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I want to preach. But that's another mess. But this is what you need to understand about the old covenant, that the old covenant was the lowest standard of humanity. Right? And, and I heard Erwin McManus say this. He says, the, the, the Ten Commandments, if you really think about it, they're the lowest standard of humanity. How about this? Thou shalt not kill. I mean, what is, what le what is left? Do you see that our, do you see under the old covenant it was the bare minimum? Thou shalt not kill, thou, not, thou shalt not commit adultery. Do you know that under the new covenant of grace that it super exceeds the requirement and the standards of the old covenant? You know why? Because now you're not just barely human. Now, are you, now you are an, an empowered human by the Holy Spirit. So this is why Jesus is saying, hey, under the old covenant it says don't kill, but under the new covenant it says that you, don't, you, you, you can't even be angry because what the Holy Spirit is in you, you're not angry at somebody without any reason. Under the old covenant, under the old covenant it says, listen to what it says on the old covenant, it says don't commit adultery, but under the new covenant it says, hey, if you look at a woman lustfully, what is he saying? He's not trying to make it more difficult for you to sin. He's actually saying, hey, now that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can actually walk in that kind of purity. Woo! That's why under the old covenant it says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But under the new covenant, it says, listen, if somebody smacks you, give him the other cheek. I'm going to let you get that later. I wasn't trying to take a selfie. Because under the new covenant, you could super exceed the requirements of the old covenant. You could super exceed the requirements of the old covenant. So what does that mean? That under the old covenant, it was the bare minimum 10%. But under the new covenant, you know what they were doing in Acts chapter 4? Forget about 10%. 10% wouldn't be enough. You know why? Because under the new covenant, it says that they sold everything that, they belong, that belonged to them and nothing they had, they took as their own. It said that they took their properties and they sold them. In other words, if I had two houses, I would sell one and give it to my friend. Because under the new covenant, you give 10% is actually the bare minimum of your level of gratitude and generosity and giving. So, let's see, let's see what we can do here. So, so what I do is, I 
teach my children this, and, and Bishop and Shayla can attest to this. That what a tithe is, is a penny out of every dollar. Marcos, it's just a penny. It's just a penny. It's a penny out of every dollar. Can I teach this? Can I teach this? It's a penny out of every dime. It's a dime out of every dollar. It's a dollar out of every ten dollars. It's ten dollars out of every, that's what a tithe is. It's just that. It's a penny out of every dime. And, and, and what you do is that God gives you your paycheck. God gives you. Not you, Yvette. Mark, can you, can you help me? Can we give it up for my friend right here? I just so, would you mind holding this mic for me? Hold it. So, so here's what I teach my children. Thank you. Give it up for my, my friend right here. It's um, Emily. Can you help me out here? It's this is one hundred dollars, one hundred dollars, and it's 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 how much out of one hundred dollars? $10. So, so which $10? Is it, is it the first $10 or is it, or is it here? See, see, oftentimes, this is why it's putting God first. It's not just the 10%. It's actually the, it, it's actually the position that you give it to God. See, because many times we try to budget our tithe. So, so, so we give the percentage to Con Ed. We give the percentage to Uber. We give the percentage to um, um, the bills. We, and then it's like, oh, okay, God, this is what I have. And God is saying, yeah, that's still out of your comfort. But I'm calling you to give out of obedience. I'm calling to give out of, out of, out of, out of the heart of generosity. So it's actually, this is $100. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. Who does this belong to? It doesn't belong to me. Do you know that you, you don't give your tithe to God? You bring your tithe to God? You don't give your tithe. You, it's not yours to give. You just bring him what belongs to him. Does that make sense? So you're just saying, hey, God. And, what, and the principle of the tithe is simply just this. You, get, you bring back to God and he blesses the rest. So I give God. His 10%, and he lets me live off the rest. I take the first 10, give it to God, and he says, you can live with the rest. I don't know about you, but I'd rather, I rather see what God does with my 90% than me not be generous and, and try to figure it out on my own with 100%. Does that make sense? Okay, so... I'm going to put this to practice. I just taught that, right? So I want you to hold this. I'm going to believe, make believe I'm God. I'm not God. So you just got a $100 blessing. What do you give to God? I know the whole thing, and that's very spiritual of you. But according to the, take the first $10. You look like you've counted money before. This <laughs> All right, so this, the 10 belongs to who? God. And he says, now you can live off the rest. 
because you brought back what belongs to God. See, in, in, throughout the history, the biblical history, the purpose of the tithe was twofold. Number one, for blessings to be on God's people. That's number one, because with the heart of generosity, blessings come. And number two, for the temple to be taken care of. Just, you look at it. Tithe was used for the temple to be taken care of. In other words, the expansion of the kingdom to reach more people. That's what we use the tithe for. And it's also to be a blessing of generosity to others. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to give this back to you. And that's a blessing for you, man. I just want to give that to you. All right? No, 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 no. Listen to me. Please. Don't make me fight you here. Just take it. Give it to me later. Let's give it up for Mark. Come on. Let's, go. Let's give it up. So here's what we do. We take 10%, we bring it to God. 10%, it would be wise of you. This is just financial stewardship. It would be wise of you. This is how we operate in our church. 10% we sow and bring to God. 10% we save and invest for the future. And we function off 80% of the spending within, and we live within our means. See, oftentimes, can I be honest? Some of us, we don't walk in financial freedom. Not because we don't have enough. It's because we're living beyond our means. God has never called us to live beyond our means. He actually called you to be generous. And if you're living beyond your means, you'll never be able to be generous because you always feel like you don't have enough. So in this house, what we do is that we bring God 10%. So Christ uncensored doesn't live off 100% of what comes in. Do you know that last year, I mean, I'm sorry, two years ago, we gave 13% away of what came in. As the worship team comes up, I want to just uh, go over this last verse. Did, did that help somebody today? Please, somebody. That, was, that wasn't that painful, right? That wasn't that painful. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, look what it says. It says, but first make a small biscuit for me and bring it back. Then go. It says, then go and make a meal from what's left for you. This is what the Lord of God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not be empty. Do you see the blessing of putting God first? It says it will, it will not be empty. I don't know about you, but I'm done. I'm done not putting God first. I'm going to put God first in my finances. It says the jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty because before God sends rain on the land and ends the drought, and when, and she went right off and did it, did just as Elijah asked. Next. And it turned out, as he said, daily food for her and her family. This is generational. The jar of meal didn't run out, and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. I mean, we serve a good God that if he says it, he will deliver it. Can we praise God in this place? So God is faithful to his word. And see, what happens is that some people are like, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to give. I want to challenge you. I want to push back a little bit. I want to say, hey, you can't afford not to. Did you see her? Did you see her? She was about to die with her resources. But she tapped into something different when she released her resources. See, one of the things that the principle of tithing does, again, it's not under the curse, it's not under the law, it's not an under obligation, it's a principle. 
And here's the thing. When, when you follow the person of Jesus, he escorts you to heaven. But when you follow the principles of Jesus, he, or, he escorts heaven to earth. That was original, by the way. That was original. That's in the book. It, it's the principle. And, and so what you do is you're saying, God, here's my oil and my flour. Because it's what you called me to get. I'm not looking at the amount. This is all I got, God. And what happens is, watch this, watch this. There are some people that say, I don't have enough to give. I've been there. I don't have enough to give. And God says, no, no, you got to learn how to be faithful with the little. It's not amount, it's sacrifice. See, because 10% for me is equal to 10% for Mark. 10% for me is equal for 10% for Anthony. 10% for me is equal 10%. Why? It's not equal amount. It's equal sacrifice. It's equal sacrifice. And so that's what God calls us to do. He says, hey, it's equal sacrifice. And some people are like, well, um, I make too much. You know how much a tithe is from me? <laughs> if I were to give, you know how much a tithe is from me? It's easy for you to give. You only make a certain amount. And I'm like, well, then how much does God have to reduce your income for you to tithe? Think about it. That's what we're saying, right? It's like, I, 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 God has blessed me too much for me to give. No, no, my friend. It's 10%. Not under obligation, but under opportunity to walk by a principle. Saying, God, here it is. Now watch. I am so proud of this church. Because you know that we are, like, beyond the statistics. Do you know that 97% of God's children, people that follow Jesus, people that love God, people that worship, people that preach, 97% of God's children do not give more than 2%. They're still at the level of water. 97. Do you know what the percentage of givers here at Kuhau is? 35% of our church believes and walks in the tithe. Come on, can we praise God for that? 35%. That's amazing. The reason that we have a church here today, when we started this church eight years ago, Yvette was two years old. How old are you, Yvette? But how old are you when we started the church? You were still in high school. You were still in high school. She didn't even know she loved God. She didn't even know. And God was starting a church that she would one day lead worship in. Eight years ago, this church began. And you know how it expanded right now? Because it was on the backs of those that chose to be generous, to sow into a future that they did not see. We started this church with four people. Do you know that Lisa and I were the first tithers? Like, our leaders, our leaders, they're not like leaders that came from another church. Like, I baptized all our leaders. Like, they, did, they didn't know what tithing was. They didn't know what generosity was. We taught all these things. 
They didn't know what baptism was. They didn't know what Pastor Appreciation Day was. I had to teach all those things. Hey, guys, this is how you do it. Pastor O, you're amazing. All right, get up on your feet. Get up on your feet. Did this bless anybody today? Come on. Come on. I want to read to you this last verse. Because 35% of this church gives. 40% of this church serves. Come on, somebody. 40% of this church serves. But you know that God didn't call 40% of this church to give or serve. He called everybody. If you've been a recipient of his love, if you haven't, listen. This is why we say, like, if you haven't been a recipient of God's love, please feel no obligation. None. But if you've been a recipient of God's love, and you've placed your faith in his life, then hear this message. Because here's what, here's what the Bible says about those that were recipients of God's love. Look, look it says, all the believers. And, and some, and 40% of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. No, no. What does it say? And all the believers. No, no buildup. Hold on. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. What did they, they tied, no, they sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. Continue. All the believers were united in one heart. They all had the heart of unusual generosity. All, not 40%, not, could you imagine if Kuha wasn't just 35% of the people giving? What would it look like if all the believers at Christ Uncensored House of Worship would give the tithe? I did the math for you. I know you were wondering how much would it look like. Watch this. Can I tell you what the need of the house for expansion looks like? Anybody excited for Vision Sunday, March 6th? Come on. Oh my God, what God's been depositing in this house is amazing. What God's been speaking to this house is amazing. And here, watch this. The need for expansion, in, in other words, we're good where we're at. But where God wants to take us, he's saying it would require about $15,000 a month in expenses. $15,000. That would put, watch this, that would put another staff pastor to help expand the kingdom. $15,000. We have more than 80 people that call Kuhau their home. And we have more than, more than enough people that make more than $30,000 a year. Can I do the math for you? If 80 people that made $30,000 a year, which there's many people that make more than that, committed to the tithe, our monthly income would be $20,000. If, if 80 people, that if all the believers at Christ Uncensored would walk in this heart of unusual generosity, guess what? We would not be limited by anything because it super exceeds even the expansion and the vision that God has for us. The vision in, in where God wants to bring us is only at the pace of the generosity of the people and the availability of the people. So, what do we do next? Before Vision Sunday, I want to give you one last thing. How can you help your church be generous, a generous church? Number one, consider putting God first in your finances. How? By taking the tithe challenge. That's what I want you to pray about the next few weeks. 
Just consider it. Consider, I'm going to choose to give God 10% of what he gives me. And you might be asking, well, where do I give? Do I give from here? Do I give? Listen, just give from wherever you feel in your heart. 10% from the challenge. Number two, consider serving at least one, one Sunday a month. Can you imagine if we had every single member at Christ Uncensored that would serve at least once a month? Can you imagine what we can do to reach more people for Jesus? Number three, consider what it is God would have you give at our annual Generosity Sunday. God already gave me an amount to give for Generosity Sunday. And if you don't know what Generosity Sunday is, it's when we bring our, when we bring our best offering, like extravagant giving offering on that day. And God already gave me an amount, and I was like, God, you're tugging on my flower. And by the way, if you're a married couple and you guys have two different amounts, it's the larger one that's from God. Come on, somebody. But Generosity Sunday, I believe we're going we're gonna to raise a historic offering that's going to launch this church in the vision that God has for the house. Amen. Can you give God a praise in this room? I want our ushers to come forward. I want our ushers to come forward. Um, before we jump into worship, I'm sorry I've taken, I've taken a lot of your time, but I really believe this is important. Our ushers are going to come through, and, and they're going to give you an envelope. This envelope is not for you to give back. In the envelope, there's a $5 bill. I know you're like, wait, I came to church, and they gave me money. Yes, they gave you, they gave you money. And if you're watching online, and if you want to take part of this $5 bill, I want you to email us at connect at kuhau.com. Here are the two rules. This is an opportunity for you to be generous. It's not about the amount. It's about being a blessing to somebody else. And some of us are like, I don't have the money to give. Well, what if we gave you the money to give? You could get creative with your giving. You could partner up with someone else and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to collect our money together. And we're going to be a blessing to someone. You can pay it forward and pay for somebody that maybe is their Starbucks. Here are the two rules. Number one, you cannot spend it on yourself. That's it. We trust you. We trust God, but we also trust you. Number two, you cannot give it back to Kuha. All right? Is that fair enough? We want to give this to you as our ushers can go. And receive this envelope of love. And then we want you to email the story on how God used you to be generous in somebody's life. Two rules. You cannot spend it on yourself, and you cannot give it back to Kuha. I don't know. As the Lord leads, those are, those are the two rules. As the Lord leads. Amen? Can you bow your heads real quick? Jesus was the greatest and the generous, most generous person on earth. He was munificent. And the Bible says that Jesus, he knew who his provider was. What does it matter, all this generosity and all this giving, if Jesus is not in our heart? Can I tell you what's going to pry your heart open to generosity? It's Jesus. And so, I just want to tell you that Jesus put God first. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. 
Jesus saw God as his provider. When he said, look at the lilies. God adorns them. He will take care of you even more. And Jesus gave sacrificially and he gave all. For he who knew no sin became sin so that you can become the righteousness of God. This is walking in munificence. It's saying, God, you've given me so much. How could I not give? So if you're in this place, I want you to pray this prayer. If you say, I want to place my faith in Jesus. Just say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for your love. I receive it right now. Therefore, I give you my heart. I thank you for being generous with me. I pray that I can be generous with others. Thank you for dying for my sins and resurrecting on the third day to give me new life. From this day forth, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can connect with us anytime by subscribing to the podcast and by going to kuhau.com. Have Have a a blessed blessed week. week.